Welcome to the live preaching message from Loyalty House International, a denomination originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation, a Bible-based instruction to our church members to equip them to teach and to preach wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing encounter as you listen to this message. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we thank you for an opportunity to be gathered with you in our midst. We surrender totally to you and we ask you to lead us in the way of God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please be seated. I find it very strange, but the message I want to preach or that the Lord has laid on my heart to share is a stadium message, yet God is laying it on my heart to share it when we are a living room, a living room church. Do you get it? But anyway, God is still God and he knows why and I just have to be obedient. Amen. So I want to share with you from our scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. No, it's not, it's not from the back. It's, it's here. They are right downstairs here, outside. There's a kid's party or kid's some nice environment going on. So let's accept the disturbance more to raise our children. Amen. Good. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says, And he died for all, that they which live should no longer live for themselves, but unto, which, unto him which died for them and rose again. Amen. Now, this is Paul explaining to us what being born again is. It's about what receiving Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior is about. Now, the question that has bothered me is that, or that, that I, would want, I want to ask, is that if I'm to live no longer for myself, but for Christ who died for me, then where is my life that has been saved? Understand my question. You see, the wages of sin is death, and the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. In other words, in other words, because I'm a sinner, because I'm a sinner, and I was born a sinner, the end of my life is to be death for my sins. Here comes Christ and says that, if you believe in me, even though you were supposed to die because of your sins, by believing in me, you will not die. So which means by believing in me, you will continue to live. In other words, by believing in me, something would happen that the death that was due you because of your sins will no longer be effected for your life to end. But your life will continue. And yet the sin will be taken care of. Because for the life to continue, the sin must be taken care of. Because the payment of sin is death. So the question is, the question is, if I am in Christ and Christ died for me so that when I receive him, I should no longer live for myself, but live for him. The question then is, what happens to my life? What happens to my life? Because it's almost like, I, by meeting Christ, I'm to put my life aside. And my life that he has come to repair, I should put it aside and live for him. The question then is, where is my life and when will I live it? Now, if you understand this very well, if you understand this very well, you will handle every difficulty Satan throws at you. In Luke chapter 9, verse 24, I think, Luke 9, 24. What does it say? 
Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Are you understanding the question I'm asking here? Because Jesus is not saying that when you lose your life for his sake, that's it. He says you shall save it. So, so what it means actually, being born again and no longer living for yourself, but living for Christ is that. There will come a time when you have to live for yourself. Or there will come a time when you will live for yourself. Because if I save my life, or in other verses say, shall find it. Do you get it? If I save my life, then I have to, I will have to live it. Because life it will be lived. Are you understanding my, 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 my argument or my point? And that is that we have a situation where because Christians don't understand this, we find it so hard to do what is expected of us. And we therefore become very vulnerable to the onslaught of Satan. Let me explain to you. You see, your life is not lost. Your life is not lost. But when you meet Christ whilst here on earth, you would have to put away your life. Put it this way. Your life is put to be given to you later or to be revealed later. But temporarily, whilst you are in this season, where you are in this body, you now have to live for Christ. So it's like, yes, you have your life to live. But because of the project I'm doing, I want you to live mine. And at appointed time, you would have the chance to live yours. This, many Christians don't understand. Because if you say that for whosoever will save his life, or whosoever will keep his life, will lose it. Will lose it because that life without Christ is already corrupted and is destined for destruction. So you will not have it. But if you give it up so that you can live for Christ, you would have it kept for you. And this is what Paul explained again in Colossians chapter 3. You see, he tries to explain to us, but I think that Christians, we don't, we are so bothered about our lives that we don't even understand what God is doing. And we don't care, we don't want to, we are very self-centered, so much so. Even when God is trying to work things out beautifully for us, we, we, we still don't get it. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. The next, for you are, you see, it says, for you are dead. And, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Do you understand what, 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 what Paul is saying? That you are dead and your life is hid, is hid with Christ in God. So you have a life. You get it? Because when you read 2 Corinthians 5.15, you get a feeling that we are supposed not to have a life. But you still have a life, God says. Because just as he resurrected Christ from the dead, as a sure sign that your life will also be resurrected from the dead. The resurrection of Christ from the dead is a proof that your death is not, death will not hold you captive. It's a temporary cessation as long as God has determined. But the Bible is telling us that your life is hid. You are dead. For ye are dead. In other words, something that is dead ceases to exist. But you are not dead as in terms of you are lost forever. But you are dead as in terms of you have ceased to exist. 
in order for your life to be hid in Christ. And when Christ shall, shall appear, then we shall appear with him. That's what the next verse says. It says, your life is hid. And when he shall appear, who is our life? Then shall ye also appear with him in a glorious state. Now, what is the importance of this information? What is the importance of this information? The importance of this knowledge is to make you respond appropriately to the challenges that you have in this life. You see, most of us not understanding this still are busy continuing as if we have to live our own lives and our own dreams. In the process, in the process, when we get attacked or there's an onslaught of the enemy against us, because our minds is focused on ourselves and our dreams, we feel that we have come under attack and therefore our dreams and our things are threatened. But you will find out that no matter what happens to your life, that aspect of living for Christ is hardly affected. In fact, every attack on you actually makes you more sharper in terms of testifying of Jesus. I don't know if you understand it. Because you see, if, the, if, if you are living for your life, for yourself, then every attack on you or on your dreams is an, is an attack. Because any of the things that would come against you, it means you may not be able to pursue your dream. But you will find out that no amount of onslaught against you seem to be able to stand in the way of living for Christ. Even if they take you to prison, you can still live for Christ. Even if you don't have money, you can still live for Christ. Because if you don't have money, and you, you come under severe pressure, Satan would say, suggest ways to do things and tell you, you can do this, you can do this. But your refusal is actually living for Christ. You see, you, you, are, you are to live for Christ, not only in the presence of human beings, but in the presence of the demonic or the, the spirit world. Not, not only for human beings. So when you are under severe pressure and you still say what you said in your heart about God, you are actually proving to Satan that God is God and that he will be chosen by your free will and not because of what he has given you. A classical example is in the story of Job. It's a very classical example of what he went through, of what he went through. Now, if you don't understand this, if you don't understand this, you would always fall for the things of Satan. Because if it's about your life as it is now here on earth, you are expecting certain things to be fulfilled, certain things to be honored. You are expecting to marry, you are expecting to have a wife, you are expecting to have children, you are expecting to have all those things. So if they don't come or they come under attack, it will affect you and it should affect you. But if you understand that you are not living for yourself after having met Christ, these things will not hinder your living for Christ. They cannot hinder your living for Christ. And like I'm saying, if anything, they rather enhance your living for Christ. Because, you see, Satan is aware, and so many are aware, that praising God is easy when their goods are abounding, and when things are going well, when everything else is working according to human standards. Praising God is very easy. Do you get it? Praising God is very easy. But, the true praising God is seen. The gold of praising God is when you are still in the fire, and you are saying God is God and his mercies and his goodness endureth forever and he is worthy to be praised. But you see, this is what Christians have not understood. 
And therefore, by not understanding this, we perish at the onslaught of Satan. Yes. This is what Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says that. My people are destroyed. They are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And not just lack of knowledge, but lack of knowledge about God and about what God is doing. Lack of knowledge about God and about what God is doing. And I pray that, you see, this message, I wish I will preach it to a larger crowd, but I, I just said, let me be obedient. Because as the Lord laid it on my heart, let me be obedient. Because if you understand this, your response to difficulties, your response to challenges will be very appropriate. I said will be very appropriate. It will be very appropriate. Because there's nothing that the enemy can do to you in the physical that can affect you living for Christ. No, no. He can You see, even his attack would go to make you brighter. It's a light. But if you don't know this truth, you get it. if you don't know this truth, when he attacks you, you would you will, you will crumple before him and you turn your back on God, as many often do. Job chapter one. I just wanted to see something. Are you understanding what I'm preaching? That 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 you should no longer live for yourself does not mean you will not have a life. Be with me. That you should no longer live for yourself does not mean you will not have a life. Or does not mean you don't have a life. You have a life, but your life is hid with Christ and is yet to be lived. The reconditioned or repaired life that comes by meeting Jesus is yet to be lived. But until Christ's purpose is fulfilled, he says, let's hold on with your life and live for me. So if you can constantly understand that I have my real life to live at the appointed time, but here that I am, I'm living for Christ. Yes, whilst living for Christ here, I may have needs. But whether the needs are supplied or whether the needs are not supplied, it doesn't mean that I can't live for Christ. If you understand this, every temptation you overcome. Because the temptation is aimed at you turning your back on God. Every temptation of the enemy, is the aim of the temptation is turn your back on God. Don't trust him anymore. Don't depend on him anymore. Sort things out yourself because he cannot be trusted. And God is also saying, I can be trusted and I am trustworthy. Are, are you with me? That's what the Lord is saying. I can be trusted and I am trustworthy. I am reliable. I am faithful. And I don't turn back on my people. And Satan's aim is to get you. You see, he knows he can't get God to turn his back on you. No matter what he does, he cannot get God to turn his back on you. So he doesn't tempt God. But you, he will get you to turn your back on God. And your knowledge, your understanding of the issues at stake is what will make you react appropriately without turning your back on God. Hallelujah. What did he do? I said Job, not John. Or Job. The Bible tells us that there was a certain man. The man was perfect and upright. And one that feared God and hated evil in the eyes of God. He had children, both boys and girls. And he had a lot of things. He was blessed from left to right center. I mean, proper blessing. Everything was working. And he always acknowledged God. Even praying for his children. Trying to sort out the mistakes of his children. Let's read on. They'll say there was a day. I don't know how Satan appeared, but somehow he was present in the crowd. And God, with Satan, said, I have somebody that I can depend on, I can rely on, who understands me and understands what everything is about. 
And God said to Satan, you've been moving up and down. But there's somebody very wonderful. Have you seen him? Have you noticed? Then Satan replied, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know him. I know him. But you see, God, let me tell you something. There's a good reason. There's a good reason. Why, why he's the way he is. Even me, I would, I would have been the way he is. Meanwhile, he's lying. Meanwhile, he's lying. I said, meanwhile, he's lying. Because what he said was that, ah, who would not be that way? But what I want to tell you is that many people will not be that way. You see, you have to have a certain understanding and a certain knowledge about your God and what is happening for you to be that way. Many people are naturally not that way. The Israelites, with all the mighty works of God, the miracles and things, they, they were not that way. They were not that way. They saw everything. They saw the miracles and the power and the greatness of God. But they were not that way. So it's not natural to be that way. It's very natural to be the other way. But you see, knowledge would preserve you. Understanding will keep you. And that is why you must seek knowledge and you must seek understanding. Not just knowledge of anything, but knowledge about the God in whom you, you, with whom you have a relationship. It's very important. Knowledge about the God with whom you have the relationship is key. It's key. Because without it, when Satan comes, you will find out that you are responding inappropriately. And that is why the knowledge or the understanding that your life, Jesus says, you must allow him to take it and keep it for you. You must allow him to take it and keep it for you. If you want to live now, now, now in this present condition, it will get lost because the thieves are still around. They have not been destroyed. They are working. The thief of thieves, Satan, is not bound yet. He's still loose here on earth. So Jesus is like a keeper who is saying, give me your life, let me keep it for you. Because I know what is about to happen. I know the time to come. And I will, I would release it, I will give it back to you. So that, or you will find it where I have kept it. So that you can live it when I have dealt with all the dangers that are lacking in the environment. From the beginning, it was not so. From the beginning, everything was safe. There was nothing to fear. Until Adam disobeyed and opened the door for robbers and thieves and destroyers to come in on earth. But it is my duty to repair it. It's my duty to restore it to what it was in the beginning. But to do so, you have to trust me. Give me your life. I'll keep it for you. I will give you mine so that you live it for me. And whatever, when you are living mine for me, my life is not subject. Living for me is not subject to satanic attacks. In other words, it's foolproof. Wherever Satan passes, I'll dribble him. If he beats you, his beating of you would lead to the progress of what I came to do. If he puts you in the fire, in fact, at the end of the day, it will only advance my cause. That is what it means to live for him. It's not subject to Satan's attack. So live for me whilst the condition, live for me. I'm giving you a life that is Satan proof. So that you live it in his presence. Whilst he's around. When I have dealt with him and I've conquered death and everything. When I release your life, it's safe. And you can live for yourself. That's what it means. Our life is hidden. 
Christ. And when he shall appear, we shall appear with him. If you don't understand this, listen, if you don't understand this, you'll be surprised. You'll give up what you shouldn't give up. You'll give up what you shouldn't give up. So, and if you understand this, you'll be afraid of nothing. You'll not be affected by anything. Whatever, my Lord, thou has taught me to say, it is well. No matter what will happen, you'll not be agitated over many things. That is so agitating. So Satan says, you've put a wall of protection around him and what he has. And you have made him prosper and everything. Look at how rich he is. But let me suggest something. Touch his things. Touch his things. And I tell you, you, you will have it. I mean, some of us, Satan will be true and God will be a liar. If, it, if we were the ones that were in this example. You see, it, some of us, some of us, if we, we were the ones in this test, God would be deemed a liar. And Satan would say, I told you. I told you. I told you. But may you change the story. As the Lord by his spirit gives you wisdom. Say, all right, you may test him. Do whatever you want to do with everything he possesses. But please, don't harm him physically. This is where it will appear Satan was obedient. Because he didn't do more than he was allowed to do. Because Satan normally doesn't play by the rules. But for whatever reason, here he just did. So the Bible says, one day, Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the older brother's house. Then a messenger arrived. A messenger arrived at Job's home with news. The oxen were plying with the donkeys, feeding beside them. When the Serbians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed the farmland. I'm the only one who is escaped to come and tell you. Hey, I want you to underline this phrase. While he was speaking. While he was speaking. I mean, some of us, we want situations to come one after the other with a breather. And I think what kills most of us is the, 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 the togetherness of every problem. The togetherness of every problem. is One problem is not finished. The other one starts. There was a, while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived. Fire of God. Satan would always have a message. Fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. Most of the things we attribute to God is not. I'm the only one escaped. And the storyline is the same. To tell you. Somebody has to tell me. Because if it happens without me being told, it will not affect me. So Satan has a messenger to deliver the message to you. The next one. While he was speaking, a third messenger arrived. While he was speaking. Who is the next one to come? While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived. Your sons and daughters were feasting. Suddenly, a wind came. There's always one to come and deliver the message. 20. The Bible says, what was Job's reaction? He stood up, tore his robe in grief, and he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. Not to be angry. No, it's natural to be grieved, but not anger. He worshipped. What did he say? What did he say? He insulted God. No. He explained. You see, he understood certain facts of life. That this life is just a station in the journey. I said that this life is just a station in the journey. And what happens in this life is not necessarily a reflection of the whole journey. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. The Lord gave me. So you see, his understanding that whatever he had is from the Lord. Understanding that I came with nothing and therefore having to live with nothing is not a loss. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken out. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. You see, you will never 
be able to go through such a difficulty without sinning if you don't have a certain knowledge and a certain understanding. You see, when Satan is battering you in this life, having met Christ, he tells you the message that this is all you have and look at what is happening to it. Christ came to make it better, but look at what is happening. But brother, sister, I'm here to tell you, Christ came to make it better. What Satan is battering is battering the one that is spoiled. He's not, he's, not, he's not spoiling the real one. He's spoiling the one that is already spoiled. It's almost like your car has an, has an accident, God forbid, and it's a write-off, and it's parked in your yard. Then Satan or somebody comes and starts striking the car that is already a write-off, and then you start making, you are, you are going to fight over a car that is already a write-off. Just parked in your yard that you can't use it. You can't do anything with it. You can't repair it. And you are getting angry because a child is playing football and has hit the car that is a write-off. And the small piece of glass that is left is broken. And you say you are taking the person to court. Listen, in the eyes of God, this flesh and its attendant needs that we have in this life is corrupt and it will go nowhere. But God can still find use for it if we have to live for Christ. Because living for Christ is Satan, is Satan proof. No amount of battering would affect it. In fact, when they talk to put Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego into the fire to destroy them, it only went to enhance God and to prove that God saves and to prove that God is the God of all gods. When they thought to finish Daniel up by offering him a kebab or verse for the lions that afternoon, they discovered that God actually has control of everything. And you see, this is what the apostles of the gospel understood and therefore were never affected by what they were encountering as they went to preach the gospel. And therefore, they did not give themselves to anything apart from living for Christ and the gospel. Because, you see, your life that you think you have, that you are busy trying to redecorate and decorate and redecorate, it's, it's, it's a write-off. It's a write-off. It's a write-off. It's a write-off. Your living for Christ is going to redecorate the life that is hid in Christ. So to neglect living for Christ and rather living for the life that is already a write-off, it's almost like you are pouring on the write-off decos. But most people don't understand. So when Satan comes to attack your write-off, then, then, then you are angry with God. I said, when Satan comes to attack your write-off, then you are angry with God. Job understood many things. And the Bible said, when it was all said and done, he was victorious because he knew he could trust God. He could trust God. Can you? These days, you see Christians, people that say they have been Christians for a while. Small thing. You see, nobody's saying that you shouldn't say, I'm in pain. Oh, yes, you can say, I'm in pain. What's happening? You can say, I'm in pain. And it's not a sin. I'm in pain, but God will keep me. That, that's, that's what you should say. Not that I'm in pain, God has neglected me. God has failed. How can you say God has failed you? How? What is your basis? Because your write-off has been touched. Yeah, because what, what has been touched? That, that is causing you to be in pain to the point that you now start accusing God. You see, it is because most of us are not prepared to live for Jesus. That is why when there's a bump, we don't get out to check 
is still living for Jesus working. If it is working, everything is intact. Sometimes when you have an accident, one of the first things you do is to check whether the car can move. Is the damage so as to impede the car from moving? Most of the time, once the car can move, the engine is starting, the wheels are turning and everything is fine in that way. You are not too much disturbed. You repair the body works. But the main thing, because the function of a car is to move. So if an accident happens and affects the car from moving, then it's a serious accident. But until it affects the car from moving, it's not that serious. What is happening in your life? Has it affected you living for Jesus? Then you can say that yes, it's a serious event. But you see, because most of us have not the mind to live for Jesus, you get it? When things happen, we don't evaluate it with living for Jesus as the main goal or as the main aim. But we, 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 we evaluate events occurring in our lives based on which part of our personal dream it has affected. And of course, when you evaluate it, which part of your personal dream it has affected, you will be offended. You will be hurt. But you see, God has said that your life is safe with Jesus. Now, the life that you have is for Jesus. It's not for it's not yours. Yours is waiting for you. I said yours is waiting for you. And how well your life will be, which is waiting for you, is dependent on how well you live for Jesus. Hallelujah. It's dependent on how well you live for Jesus. And that is why Satan will want to take your mind off it by, by attacking you and make, telling you that, you see, God says he will beautify your life. Is this beautifying your life? You see, meanwhile, he's lying to you. This is not the one God will beautify. This one is not the one God will beautify. The one which would appear when appears. Hallelujah. And the evidence of that your life will reappear is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the resurrection of Jesus. If you don't understand this, Satan will have you for a means. But I'm refusing for Satan to have me for a means. I'm going all the way for Jesus. Anything that will happen to my life that does not affect me living for Jesus, it has no effect on me. I refuse for it to have an effect on me. If it is going to affect me living for Jesus, then it really has hit me. Because living for Jesus is the wealth of my life that shall appear with me. Yeah. Unless you don't believe it. I said, unless you don't believe it. And if you don't believe it, then I want to tell you something. There's no need in believing in Jesus. And be free and do whatever you want to do. Yeah, that's, that's what I will tell you. Because if, if you believe in Jesus, then what you are saying is that you believe in the new life. When he shall come to reign here on earth. And so you need to work towards that new life. Not the old life that has just been extended a little bit for it to finish. It's almost, it's like, listen, this life you have, it's going to, it's going to end in the grave. It's going to end in the grave. If you don't have Jesus, it will end in the grave. And you have nothing. But because of Jesus, it can't be lost to be saved. That's why Jesus tells us, lay out for yourself treasures in heaven. Because treasures are for living. If, if you are not going to live, he wouldn't have told you to store up treasures for yourself in heaven. That he said, lay out for yourself treasures in heaven. Means that there's a life that is waiting for those treasures. And I pray that you understand this message well. Because it's going to gauge your response. And it is your response that determines the effect of an attack. It is your response. It's not the attack. Let me say it again. It's not the attack. It's your response that determines the effect of an attack. Sickness has to do with your response to the invading organism. Asthma is over-response. And other diseases that are like asthma is over-response of the body to ordinary challenges of life. Yeah, that's asthma. You over-respond to the point that you kill the whole body. And some of us are like that. Those of us that are prone to depression, 
and all type of things. It's because you don't analyze well. In fact, Satan has set you up to receive more treasure in heaven by his attack. If you understand it, you will take a... You see, when he thought he was finishing Jesus, what he didn't know is that he was setting Jesus up. That's why the Bible says, if the prince of this world had known, they would not have crucified Jesus. If they had been aware of what they were about to do, they said, no, we can't promote him. Let's rather leave him to hang around. You see, most of the attacks of your life here on earth in different forms is meant to rather take you up. And when you don't respond appropriately, what is to take you up will rather take you down. So your appropriate response is key. I said your appropriate response is key. Those of you who have books, go and read Final Quest. Of, there's, a, there's a man called Angelo. See his response to his predicament. See his response to his predicament. And watch all those that have been in difficult situations that have responded with Christ in mind and see the outcome. If you would respond to the issues of your life with Christ in mind, that the life I live, I no longer live for myself, for Christ. And you need to ask yourself, so this attack, how is it impeding me living for Jesus? And you check and you agree with that. There's no attack of your life in any form and fashion that prevents you from living for Jesus. Even when you are dying for the sake of the gospel, even when Satan thinks he's killing you and you are dying for the sake of the gospel, it only advances the gospel. It only advances the gospel. It doesn't stop. There's nothing Satan can do that the gospel can stop. That is why Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. May you respond appropriately in every difficulty and in every situation, knowing that this attack may be against your life, but it's not against living for Jesus. It's not against living for Jesus. And your work is to live for Jesus. So that when he comes, your life will be revealed and you will live it for yourself with beautiful blessings and pleasures in a grand style, in a better way. Let's rise to our feet. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lift up your voice and begin to talk to the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I want us to pray to the Lord. Oh, yes, yes. Talk to the Lord. Talk to him. Talk to him. Ask him to deepen your understanding in that which you have heard this morning. Ask him to reveal, to explain more, to give you deeper insight, to help you to see in relation to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, lift up your voice and begin to talk to If you say where you are, if you say step Thank you, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. No matter what I may go through, I thank you that I can say that it is well with my soul. Because my life is hid in Christ. 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 
my life is in, in Christ. Thank you. Oh, let our voices be heard thanking the Lord. That every difficulty, every challenge will not pass. Like Paul said, none of these things moved me. None of these things. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you for strength. Thank you for strength. Thank you for strength. Thank you that I'm fortunate ahead. I'll never be moved. Oh, Mabroki Bala. Shilele Masikala. Mirando Hobasikala. Mayando Hobasikele Baroshi. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you. That we are marching forward. We are marching forward. For we are to live for you. We are to live for you, not for ourselves. Sibra 
God to help. Ask God to help. Ask God to help. Ask the Lord to help. Ask the Lord to help. Ask the Lord to strengthen them. To continue those. Knowing that you are not affected. You are safe. You are safe. You are safe. You are safe. In Jesus Christ. Maburoki Baba Baba. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Oh, 
Mabrokila Baba Kalando Kasondori Baba Mariano Homosi Keleba Kibarando Riababandere Babosi Mikarando Mikarondo
Jesus. Help us to live for you. Help us to understand what you are doing. And help us to cooperate with you. Deliver us from the lies of the enemy. They may attack the shell. But we know that the call is unreachable to the enemy. We bless you. We bless you. Listen to the Spirit of the Lord speaking to you today. Hear his voice from within. He's speaking. Listen to him. He's showing you what next and where to go. Hear him. For he's the Spirit of truth. He speaks no lie, but speaks the truth. Hear his voice. He's speaking right now. Father, we thank you for your word and your grace that it is well in your eyes with all that we go through. For you have said that through many tribulations we must enter into the kingdom. Because you know what you will do with tribulation to the glory and to the praise of God. Let every tribulation of our life count to your glory. Let the words of our mouth and the songs of our hearts, the meditation of our thoughts be pleasing unto you. In good times and in bad times, Lord. Let there be no sin found in our words. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Continue to equip us with knowledge and understanding that we may walk worthy 
of the calling wherewith you have called us. Thank you that we shall not be deceived by the enemy. But we shall listen to your voice. And by your voice you shall direct us and lead us on the path of righteousness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your peace. That is our portion in this life. We bless you. We give you praise. Every head is bad and every eye closed. Somebody invited you and you want to say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to believe in him as a son of God. Lift up the right hand. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. And we bless you. We bless you for every moment that we are spending in presence. Thank you that our lives will never be the same. We shall live properly for you. And thank you that every need of our lives to live for you shall be You shall sustain us with strength that shall not be broken. We bless you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. We believe that you have been blessed by this message. For more information, please visit our website on loyaltyhousesouthafrica.org.